Hey guys, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? Ryan, you either die a Dennis the Menace, or you live long enough to be a Mr. Wilson. And I fear I have become a Mr. Wilson. Now, being a Mr. Wilson is a perfectly fine and good thing to be. Yeah, it's it's wild that when watching Dennis the Menace as a child, I'm like, Mr. Wilson's a total asshole. And now as an adult, I'm like, that little shit kid doesn't even knock on the door. Wait, does the Menace, comma Dennis just, like, show up without knocking? Yeah, he just walks in the house. And, and you know, Mrs. Wilson, like, lo- is charmed by that little bastard. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Mr. Wilson I mean, just he's wants got a... to read his fucking newspaper without being uh, pestered by a lovable scamp. So what are what are what are your uh, Mr. Wilson travails uh, on this week? So uh, my fr- my son has made friends with the other neighborhood children, and and I'm very happy that uh, it's it's spring is in the air. Children are running around the neighborhood on bikes and trikes and uh, jumping on trampolines and and a good time abounds. However. Mm-hmm. Children are just walking into my house demanding snacks at all days of the day, at all times of the day and night now. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Don't know. That... How, like, and today I think we've hit peak, um, peak Dennis the Menace level shenanigans when, uh, we got home from the grocery store with a frozen pizza and we were followed by neighborhood children saying, so, so when's the pizza going to be ready? Oh no. And having to explain, oh no, children, this is mine. Because when you're an adult, you cook an entire frozen pizza and then you eat the next half for lunch the next day. Or at least you plan to before you proceed to eat the entire thing as we did tonight. Yeah, that's honestly, we... um, By we, I mean me. (laughs) Sad, Mr. Wilson-esque man. Listen, as a non-binary person, that's why that's why I use they is that I can I I, I contain the void and there are many of me. <laughs> Which also with pizza, I uh, listen at my household. We uh, ordered pizza and we've been eating uh, that shit for three days because we ordered it and I've just been like been slowly working our way through it. I feel like uh, in in snack currency, pizza is fucking sliced gold it is it is worth its weight in pizza and and i think that's the problem is i need to be looking at the the snack currency that i'm giving my son by being the neighborhood parent who's always got gushers and high c like that's you know incalculable value as a child to be the kid whose dad has the good snacks see but here's the thing if you're retro trash and you have kids which is absolutely true what if all you had was confusing retro snacks like dunkaroos and string thing i'm here to tell you as retro trash who only has confusing retro video games it's already (laughs) happening these children are like why are you making us play Pac-Man? And I'm like, no, you see, this is called a retro pie, and it works really well, and and it's great. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, but we have a Nintendo Switch, so we're just going to go play real video games. At, at that point, it's like they come over and they're like, wait, what is it? You're like, snap into a Slim Jim, you little shit. And they got to play <laughs> WWF Royal Rumble for the SNES. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's, yeah, that's how you roll. Um, so, Quincy, what what ghoul shit have you been consuming this week? So, this week I've been reading Grimwood Crossing Volume 1, which is The Walking Dead by way of True, uh, True Blood, by way of uh, Jonah Hex, the uh, Western cowboy comic book star, mm-hmm. by Connor Bartell and Atagun Ilhan, and... Uh, I didn't know I needed, I was missing a supernatural Western until I read it, and then I knew that, you know, it yeah. was right. Yeah, that sounds that sounds just about perfect. Yeah, so it's about the sheriff who's got to make sure that the werewolf is 
in the slammer, like the town, you know, in the dry out tank, and also deal with zombie rustlers who are like cattle rustlers, but they're herding zombies instead of cattle. <laughs> Holy shit. So you've just got like sort of free roaming zombie herds. Yeah, yeah. So he's got to like separate the good from the bad. Wow. That's fucking incredible. Yeah, yeah, so um, it's only volume one. There's two volumes of it. I think right now, um, Connor Bartell was kind enough to send us a review copy of Grimwood Crossing, but I believe mm-hmm. you can go onto uh, the internet and search him, and I believe he's got a Kickstarter going to fund more of this awesomeness. Shit. So that's, I honestly, I need to look into that. That sounds fucking incredible. Yeah, it's really good, and um, Ilhan... Um, uh, Ilhan's pencil work is really good. It's that um, it's all in grayscale black and white, but he's got a very Eric Powell, um, Walking Dead kind of vibe. Eric Powell slash Walking Dead kind of vibe with the pencils. Nice, it's very good. See that I the thing is that I uh, I feel like that show has. Kind of ruined The Walking Dead, except that here's the thing. I'm very fond of the art in The Walking Dead uh, comics, but also The Walking Dead comics do feature, I think, my favorite um, two-page spread of all time. Actually, I don't think it was two pages. I think it was just a splash where it was just like uh, Rick Grimes yelling, We are The Walking Dead! And we are the one. Yeah, it's <laughs> very think, good. And, I think and about so, that every day. Grimwood Crossing is currently on Kickstarter funding an omnibus, which is the full six-issue miniseries in one monstrous bound edition. So get Shit. on to Kickstarter and um, that's incredible. Back Grimwood Crossing. It is very good. I the 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 goal shit that I've been consuming this week is um the book small sacrifices by ann rule um are you are you familiar with small sacrifices not small sacrifices i just know uh i've never read anything by ann rule that i don't like yeah she's a fucking giant of the field um it's about uh, a, a killer named diane downs who um diane downs is uh this lady who in the 80s um I think it was the 80s, she killed her three kids uh, after trying to blame it on a, a bushy-haired stranger, which apparently is common enough to be an acronym that cops use when they refer to, like, shady descriptions of uh, uh, imaginary assailants. And basically, it's uh, written about Diane Downs, like, who she is as a person. Like, if you Google Diane Downs, her eyes are just completely fucking blank. Like, there is just nothing going on. And it's it's incredible. Like, she... Um, so she uh, shot her kids uh, in the car and then, like, drove very, very, very slowly to the hospital. And, and sort of like, oh, no, my babies. And then um, re- sort of gleefully reenacted how it went down on the news and was, like, laughing and gooning for the camera while, like, demonstrating, like, oh, and then he sort of ran around this, oh, excuse me, wrong side, like, just laughingly recreating the circumstances of her her kid's death. And it, so, um, Anne Rule, who obviously, you know, wrote true crime, true crime classic, um, The Stranger Beside Me, uh, it's fascinating, but also deeply upsetting. So, speaking of fascinating and deeply upsetting do you remember the catfish episode where the girl was catfished by a ghost wait no i never actually watched catfished how can you explain how this has happened to so (laughs) many people okay okay i've Mm -hmm. got to know how have you never seen an episode of catfish i think it's that catfished came on about the time that i no longer had um basic cable Right. Where, so, like, I, I was just streaming everything. So you're telling me, like, total uh, allegory of the cave. You have no idea what it is. I am I am ensconced in Plato's cave when it comes to catfish. Okay, so we need to do an episode for this show where 
do, do you know the? Of course, you know the verb to catfish. Oh, of course, I know what catfishing means. But I'm sorry, did you say that somebody yeah. got catfished by a ghost? Yeah, in this actual documentary television show, a person gets catfished by a ghost. That's and the, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. Please, I'm begging you to continue. <laughs> well, the thing is, I want to know if it's rankable on this show or not, because it's not horror per se, but it does have that ghost shit. It, it, listen, if it's got that ghoul shit in it, is the name of the episode I was catfished by a ghost? Because... No, the episode is, it's Catfish the TV Show, Season 5, Episode 10, Kayla and Courtney. This is incredible. I'm so I'm making a note to watch this because literally you all you had to tell me was just the phrase catfished by a ghost. And I am already there. This well, is already this the, is the thing. thing anytime anyone says, you know, because I have numerous people in my life who have started catfish season one, episode one in the past month. And it baffles me that y'all didn't watch. I guess I'm just. Yeah ride or die mtv trash <laughs> and i held on to cable for so long and mm -hmm. held on to the belief that mtv would make me cool for so long oh sure i i watched it oh also there is an av club article about the host of the show and how it did make them believe in ghosts when they witnessed this woman being catfished catfished by catfished by it that's Holy fuck. Being, you know, there there are moments where I realize that I'm so grateful uh, for being alive to hear a phrase like catfished by a ghost, where just like somewhere, sometime, somebody got catfished by a ghost. Speaking of catfished by a ghost, and except not at all, um, let's dive into, all right, so on this episode, uh, this was a, a, a real uh, passion project, this episode. We are doing... We did so um, much you, research. Oh, so much research. Uh, we, we are doing, uh, as you have probably guessed from uh, either the title of the episode or the description, that we ha we are doing all three uh, Blade movies in the Blade trilogy. The Blade trilogy. So here's what's wild. Mm -hmm. Imagine the alternate future where... The, uh, so Blade was like the first... Marvel comic book movie of any Absolutely. like note. It kind of yeah, opened the doorway. Imagine yeah. the the place where we are now where our children's grandchildren will still be seeing Marvel movies. Honestly, this is a thing that I was thinking about because so I fell down an IMDb hole about um, the Blade series and apparently uh, Marvel reacquired the rights to the Blade character in 2011. So, conceivably, in Avengers Endgame? So what's really low down and dirty is the comic books have been uh, pointedly making Blade look less and less like Wesley Snipes in all of his appearances. They have yeah. made Blade shave his head. They have, like, gotten rid of the tattoos. It's like, no, that's not who you think it is. That's not him. No. No, it's, it's yeah. So let's, oh, my God. I So uh, let's, first of all, uh, at the top, uh, here here on Rankin Vile, we like to uh, do a bit of good-natured ribbing about some movies that are bad. These movies are perfect, and I'm so fucking excited to talk about them. They're very good, and they're, like the perfect mixture of this weird... So we've watched a lot of these horror superhero action movies a la Dracula Untold mm -hmm. and I, Frankenstein. This is where it works. It works perfectly here. All right, so so starting with uh, the first Blade movie, hot out of the gate, we get the... Uh, the rave scene, which honestly, like upon, I, I hadn't seen Blade uh, since I was a kid and rewatching, except like I did YouTube the rave scene like months ago because somebody mentioned it and I'm like, oh man, I remember really loving that scene as a kid and being terrified of it. And let me tell you, it fucking holds up. Um, the, the opening scene of the movie, uh, there's this uh, super 90s, 20 something uh, in sort of, he sort of looks like uh, a Hollywood exec's idea of a b-boy. So you're saying just generic 1998 youth. Absolutely. And he uh, uh, gets uh, led into a meat locker by Tracy Lords, which is I think is what we all ultimately want. 
Um, and, you know, she's like, hey, do you want to come to a cool party t- where people are partying? And he's like, I'm dumb as hell. Fuck yeah. And she leads him uh, into the back of this kitchen and opens this meat locker door. And inside is a giant rave with um, a song playing in the background that A, is perfect. And B, is like sub Darude Sandstorm levels of repetition where it's just and it's that but 20,000 times copied and pasted into a 10 hour mix um and the guy sort of you know he like this is a this is a weird crowd for this uh, uh this youth and everybody's sort of like glancing over at him and looking at him funny and then the blood sprinklers which is a Another perfect phrase. The blood sprinklers come on and just drench everybody in blood. And the guy's like, oh, God, that's blood. And then the vampires are about to kill him. And then Blade shows up and kills the shit out of all the vampires. And that's how we start the movie. I think my favorite thing about the Blade franchise is that like every other late 90s R-rated movie, there was a toy line. As well there should be. Can you imagine taking your kid to go see Blade? See, this is what's been strange. This is something I've had to reconcile as an adult. Because I had all of the Blade toys. I had all of the Starship Troopers toys. I had a unhealthy <laughs> amount of the RoboCop toys. I had Congo action mm-hmm. figures. I had Waterworld action figures. But saw none of these movies in the theater. But, you know, like, the cultural representation of the which the movie Congo, by the way, which is the first time I have thought about the movie Congo since the movie Congo. Which did yeah, I had Bruce the little Coco, like, the, the little sign language gorilla, and she had, like, a little sign language glove and keyboard that you could, like, play type, and she'd be like, hi, I'm a talking gorilla. <laughs> Hello, it's me, the talking gorilla. Oh my god, that's fucking incredible. I mean, like, I had Terminator 2 action figures, and... Same. Yeah, th- like, there are some... Yeah, there are some properties that I feel like... it is it is it that back in the day, if you had a movie like Blade, it was more clearly demarcated what the audience for this was, or, like... I mean, there's also Last Action Hero action oh, figures. Oh, man. I definitely had a Last Action Hero action figure. I loved that movie when I was a kid and did not understand a lot of it. <laughs> um, no, we, we were we were not ready for that movie. Honestly, we didn't we didn't deserve Last Action Hero in 1993. Um, but so anyway, so Blade and he, so his his dad basically uh, at at the top of the movie, we we sort of get this uh, flashback to like Blade's mom who goes to the hospital and she's covered in blood and she gives birth to Blade. And so Blade is a half vampire, which means that he really wants to suck blood, but also can walk around in daylight and like conceivably hold down a day job if he wanted to. Yeah. So um, he... Which I which I, I feel like is the is the litmus test I have for like how oppressed are you as a vampire? Like if you could work part time at Best Buy, are you are are you doing okay? You know, uh, this is a really interesting avenue to go down because we always talk about, like, how desirable it is to be a vampire. And then the other hand Mm -hmm. is, like, the tortured, you live forever. But, like, maybe Blade really does have it worse off because he does have, he would have to work at a Best Buy. He has no out in, like, (laughs) I can't go show up to my shift. I, you know, I'm a doctor's yeah, if you're just, like, a full-on vampire, you can hang out in a coffin, and you're fine, and, you know, you don't really have to worry about eating, but if you're half-vampire, worst of both worlds, man. Um, and so his dad, basically, is uh, Whistler, as played by, no shit, uh, country legend Chris Christopherson. He is the best fuzz dad, too. <laughs> he is he is a nurturing pile of laundry. He is a, a lint trap that will make you a mug of hot cocoa, but also he'll curse at you. Like he's, um, we were watching this and we realized that, uh, they, so with Chris Christopherson, they either wanted him or Sam Elliott and Roadhouse or Kurt Russell. Yeah. Like, it's, they just needed some, yeah. 
it's very clear that it was supposed to be Kurt Russell and they couldn't swing it. And then they're like, <laughs> well, I guess we'll keep them. But each movie, like getting a little ahead of ourselves, each movie mm-hmm. you could tell that they're like, maybe we can swap him for Kurt Russell and no one will notice because they like <laughs> he has very little to do in the sequels, except they're like, oh, fine, we'll put him in it. And Chris Christopherson shows back up. Yeah, it's it's a lot. And he honestly and Chris Christopherson is just fucking great as Whistler. And he um, so basically the idea is that he like raised Blade from, you know, childhood. And he he's sort of like if Q from 007 was alcoholic and listened to a lot of bluegrass and has so many shotguns. Yeah, just way too many shotguns. And it's sort of it's sort of like I'm just going to make all these like badass weapons and you a half vampire are going to go out this movie knows exactly what we want from a movie called blade and it is a lot of spin kicks it's uh dramatically putting on sunglasses it's uh things it, it, it's lines in this movie like there are worse there's there are worse things out here than vampires like what like me and it's and i hooted and clenched my fist every single uh, time anybody said anything in this movie. The weird thing to me is that uh, amongst their arsenal uh, as as vampire hunters, uh, Blade and Whistler use Essence of Garlic. Now, Essence of Garlic is not hard to make, to obtain. Like, you just get a Cuisinart and you're fine. But, like, the way that they treat Essence of Garlic in this thing is, like, it's like the hot ticket, like it's the underground black market for garlic that you gotta like, yeah, you gotta have a garlic man to supply you with that good uncut garlic. They also use the phrase colloidal silver in this franchise more than I've ever <laughs> expected anyone to use. Yeah, the, a huge push for colloidal silver. Um, now, the script on this movie is just fucking great. Um, the writing is really good. Yeah, and and it doesn't like really dip significantly in the sequels either. No, I like even like the worst of them obviously is probably Blade Trinity. Um but even then you get I I I feel like what they do with Ryan Reynolds is what they used to do with Robin Williams, which is like if you if you've got kind of a shitty movie, you just plug in some Ryan Reynolds and like let him let him riff, you know, just let him let him be funny. Yeah, it is and then, very woefully unfunny. <laughs> yeah, he sort of it, yeah he just like it's it's a lot. And so um, in, in Blade, the villain of Blade uh, is a uh, an upstart Gen Xer vampire, uh, as played by Stephen Dorff. Uh, his name is Deacon Frost, and. Uh, Everybody in this movie has really good hair except for Deacon Frost. Where like even the vampires, you know, like you've got Udo Kier as the uh, the mucky muck blue blood uh, vampire. Who, uh, if this were Vampire the Masquerade, there would be like the Council of like Ventru vampires who are sort of like, well, listen, you know, like we gotta we gotta keep a low profile. We can't let the humans know that we're here because they'll kill us. So, and Deacon Frost, who has heavily gelled tendrils on his head. Remember, this was made in 1998, Ryan. <laughs> I keep forgetting this is 98. He's like the young buck vampire who wants to stick it to his vampire vampirants and kill people, obviously. Yeah, it's like it's like he's just ruined the business, you know. Just nothing's believable. Yeah, he's trying to expose the business. He's going into business for himself. He's breaking kayfabe. Um, and Stephen Dorff, which, by the way, I need to read to you. Uh, so I also found, fell down an IMDb hole about Stephen Dorff because I remembered that he was in uh, Leatherface from 2017, and was te- and that movie was terrible. And also, that movie wasted Stephen Dorff, which to me is a yes. fucking criminal offense. Um, there are two bits of trivia that I love that are right next to each other about Stephen Dorff on his IMDb trivia page, which is, one was considered for the part of Jack in Titanic, 1997. Stephen was glad they, that he didn't play the part because he would have always been remembered for being that guy on the <laughs> boat. Sure, sure, Stephen, you were almost Jack. That was That's definitely true. And then the second one is, is credited with providing the uh on Lenny Kravitz's recording of American <laughs> Woman. What? So there's a whole lot of sort of almost 
almost wuzzes with Steven Dorf that he's just yeah and and it's amazing because like so they he they've changed up the uh, IMDb biography for Steven Dorf but it used to be like obviously written <laughs> by Steven Dorf where he's like Steven Dorf is one of the most promising young actors of his generation. You know what's wild like, is the only thing shit, I know but, Steven Dorf from is Blade. Yeah, that's that's about right. He um he's definitely in Leatherface and I was surprised when he popped up. He also did a bunch of um blue cigarette ads. Oh, I remember those. Yeah, where he's sort of like, "Hey, it's hello, it's me, the known celebrity Steven Dorf, <laughs> and I want you to try blue cigarettes." And uh, well, apparently he was in Public Enemies. Who who gives a shit? Um, so he plays Deacon Frost, and he's honestly great as Deacon Frost. Yeah, it's a it's it's literally a career defining performance. <laughs> yeah, what uh, one would say the most notable performance of his career. Honestly, uh, and... the reason why he has etched his way into my brain is, and I cannot find this issue to corroborate it. But I swear, mm-hmm. when this movie came out, um, it had a cover story in Fangoria, and especially Volume 1 of Fangoria, especially in the late 90s, was let's put the nastiest practical effect from a movie we can find on the cover. Outstanding. And that whole blood beast, I'm exploding into plasma, distorting my body... I swear was on the cover of this magazine and I saw it on the nudes stand and it just like oh man haunted me it's it's wonderful I mean like Stephen I mean like Stephen Dorff's death as as Deacon Frost in this movie it's basically the ending of Akira where he's just becoming a towering mountain of throbbing flesh and you just picture like Kaneda and anyway so he so uh he kills off Udo Kier um, and then also his his uh, number one man out here is a vampire called Quinn, and Quinn looks like Bonnaroo. Um, he <laughs> is played by uh, Don- is it Donal or Donald Logue? It's like Donald, but in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they ran out of space on the form. Donald, your name's Donald Logue. Um, did you say Donald? Yeah, sure. Uh, and so he plays Quinn the vampire who there's a running I, I love running gags involving dismemberment and which is a, a very niche thing to say but so Don, so Quinn uh, gets his arm lopped off earlier on in the movie by Blade and he's really he's really steamed about you know getting his arm chopped off so he grows another arm and then later on gets that arm chopped off and uh, it's, yeah, and Donald Logue, he's really good at playing an annoying stoner vampire. Almost I think. as if he knows something he, about that. Yeah, although apparently he's also on Gotham, is Donald Logue, as Bullock, so that's nice. Oh. Um, yeah, and so uh, as the movie goes on, the, uh, the main love interest uh, for Blade the Vampire, which that feels like a throwback in itself that for a movie like blade that you've got to have a romantic interest because like we need to know that blade fucks like that is crucial yes it is key to know that blade can get down (laughs) yeah like i don't know if i could support blade as a hero if he doesn't get his dick wet and uh so the the main uh, love interest in the movie who is sort of like this badass like phlebotanist um who which badass phlebotanist uh is I, you know, I feel like this episode is just going to be an embarrassment of great combinations of words because of the Blade trilogy. Yeah, I mean, um, look and, at the... <laughs> we're talking about the Blade trilogy. Yeah, and uh, at, at, initially at the beginning of the movie, um, she almost gets murked by vampires and Blade... Like, she's, she's bleeding out and she's about to die. So Blade uh, looks down at her and then you get a flash of his mother while she's dying. And you can tell that he's like... Oh no, a, a, a bleeding lady. I once knew a bleeding lady. That was my mom. And so he sort of like scoops her up and takes her back to the, the blade compound and she and Whistler sort of nurse her back to health. Um, and she is developing a, I think, serum? Yeah, yeah, because it's talked about in every other movie. They call it the serum. The serum. And I think this is the stuff that Blade takes to hold his blood lust at bay. Yeah, so he's not... He's a vampire, but not a real one. 
Right. He's uh, he's he's like vampire light. Like he's he's sort of he 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 gets the newsletter, but he's like an Easter and Christmas vampire. So you know why Blade can't actually be a vampire? Why's that? Because of the Comics Code Authority. So the because EC Comics got in oh. such trouble, they're like, okay, no more vampires. So that's why the Marvel vampires for the longest time were. Um, Morbius the living vampire because Marvel's like oh, he's yeah. not a vampire he's living he's a living vampire <laughs> listen Rob Zombie's living dead girl counts she's a living dead girl but similarly um, Blade was a vampire hunter but you know he doesn't actually drink blood because there was like a rule that you couldn't have anyone drink blood on panel so, also, Blade came out in the 70s where uh, black exploitation movies were popular. So, so Marvel's like, we've got to come up with uh, black characters. So they created mm-hmm. Blade and um, Power Man, Luke Cage. Yep. Which, also, Blade as a character, I feel like, uh, as, as Sarah pointed out, any listen, anybody trying to be cool after the movie Blade owes Wesley Snipes royalties. For sure. Because he just originated being cool in this role, and he—that's—that's ah, that's honestly incredible. Like, do you think that if they so for the comics code, if you submit a vampire, and at what point were they like, okay, look, that's still a fucking vampire. Like, they they drink blood, and it's a it's a vampire. I don't care if they have a pulse. I don't care if they can sunbathe well believe like, it or not a- even the marvel's dracula who is who is actual dra- actual factual dracula doesn't <laughs> drink blood on many panels and he's the villain honest to christ dracula honest it's to christ dracula lie. cannot drink blood in his own comic book <laughs> also <laughs> okay, speaking okay. of honest to christ later in that dracula series his son is because a big part of that is him fighting with the great 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 grandson of Jonathan Harker turns mm-hmm. Dracula into a human uh, so half okay. of the book is Dracula being a Dracula and the other half of the series is Dracula not being a Dracula but other Draculas not knowing that he's not still a Dracula it's very iZombie in that like who is currently a zombie and who is not and who's pretending to be a zombie um, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's complicated. It's complicated. But anyway, his son is the um, is like the second coming of the Lord, and like is a is endowed with holy energy. Yeah, seventies Marvel comics are wild because you have like well, we can't have vampires, but they also have a literal comic book character called the Son of Satan <laughs> with a pentagram on his chest. Daredevil is also yeah in the mix. Although I Jesus, that's incredible. Huh. So, Blade, as the movie progresses, uh, he obviously, because you've ever seen a movie in your life, you're like, oh man, I sure hope his scruffy but endearing father figure doesn't die. And. And he oh, fucking he, he, dies. he super dies. Kind. But don't worry, he comes back <laughs> to die a second time in the second movie. And oh wait, spoiler alert, he comes back to die again Marvel, in the third Marvel, motherfuckers! Movie. Yeah, it's. They they <laughs> cannot stop doing zombie Chris Christopherson, and God bless them for it. So in this movie, you know, he uh, gets worked over by Deacon Frost and his army of goons, and uh, because there's like a game of, of, of cat, a bat and mouse, I guess, uh, between Blade and uh, Deacon Frost. And Blade gets back to the, 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 the Blade compound, and Chris Christopherson is like, oh, they goofed me up bad, son. And Blade is like, Oh no! And he's like, "Kill me!" And he's like, "I'm not going to kill you." And he's like, "All right, then give me the gun, you chicken shit!" And he, um, Blades like sort of walks away, and the camera follows him, and then you hear a gunshot, and are left to believe that obviously uh, Whistler has shot himself in the head rather than like. Except they retcon it in the next movie as I guess the vampires stole him and put him in a weird like vat of blood. Mm-hmm. And the beginning of Blade Two is Blade rescuing Whistler, and then Whistler getting out and being like, "Let's kick vampire ass," and he's and totally he's fine. fine. It's Marvel is out here wilding in the year two thousand two, uh, and. 
So did you know that in probably 2000, I don't know, 8, 9-ish, um, literal Christian hell was was in Marvel Comics, but also because Thor had just become very popular, um, Ragnarok as Guardian Hell, which is H-E-L, was also <laughs> in the comic. Shit. So... Nope. Hell H E L had to rent space from Hell H E double L, <laughs> and they had an argument about like which Marvel villain controlled which realm of demons because of the spelling. And there was a lot of confusing interchanges where they're like, "I said Hell," and they're like, "Yeah, so did the I." The spelling. You just picture Satan going. Basically, comic books are. It's the greatest. I just picture like with the spelling. I'm just picturing Satan going like, "Well, it's largely a matter of logistics, you know. It's it's it's." Well, well, no, Satan against the comics code. He's uh, Mephisto. yeah, Mephisto going like, "Oh no, for tax purposes, my name is Mephisto. I've never heard of Satan in my life. This isn't hell. This isn't hell with two L's. Come, I've, come on. What do you think? I'm stupid. Um, God, comics are the greatest. Uh, there's also a total series of Mephisto mm-hmm. verses, which is just Faustian deals between Mephisto and the <laughs> X-Men and then the Avengers and then the Fantastic Four. And here's uh-huh. my question. Had this movie taken a more proper hold and we never got X-Men and we never got Spider-Man the way that we did and we never got the Marvel movies... Would we be sitting here talking about the Mephisto movie where Mephisto uh, gives the Fantastic Four terrible Faustian deals and um, Ben is no longer a rock dick but, you know, can't uh, find love and, like, Sue, Sue Storm is visible but, like, she can't touch Yeah, people. that's honestly, that would have been perfect. Like, I want more Faustian bargains in media generally, but also, yeah, if you've got basically Schmaten in a continuity, it... Holy fuck. I, I love this... Basically, Mephisto is the yeah. Wishmaster, but in comic Yeah, which book also form. in Blade 2... All right, so we're going to get around to that, but in Blade 2, you know who else looks like Wishmaster? All of the bad vampires. <laughs> Yes, every it's, bad it's Um Also, at the end of Blade, so at the end of Blade, um, it's revealed that actually, you know who bit Blade's mom was Deacon Frost, and so uh, Blade's mom pops out later. And he's like, "Hello, Blade, I'm your mom," and he's like, "Oh shit, it's my mom!" And then she like betrays him because she's Deacon Frost's wife now. You know, you know, comic. It's movies. fine, and so. Uh, der- there were action figures for children. <laughs> also, movie. there were action figures for children. There was like a scene with heavy incestual uh, overtones between Blade and his vampire mom, where like she's like putting her face really close to his and being like a sexy vampire mom, and she's like, "Hey, uh, what are you gonna do? Come on, I I love you. You're great. You're my son." And she's like, obviously gonna try to betray him, and then he stabs her and kills her. And uh, Deacon Frost uh, ascends to vampire godhood, basically, by... um... Now, I've realized between this movie and Cabin in the Woods and a bunch of other movies, I am here for any time blood spills on a sacrificial stone tablet with carvings on it to make it look like it's It's following a maze. It's it's just the fucking greatest. And so Blade... um, has a fight with Deacon Frost at the end, and Deacon Frost is uh, sort of like vampire god, and if you chop him in half, he like slurps back together, and he's basically immortal now. Um, which also vampire, so of course he's immortal. But so Blade uh, uses all of these syringes full of uh, goop to just like start sticking them in Deacon Frost, and he's just like putting putting needles in him, and then eventually on the last needle. He tosses it up into the air and spin kicks the syringe into Deacon Frost's head. And then Deacon, Deacon Frost explodes in a giant writhing meat pile. It's so anyway, uh, num- number one on the list, I assume, right? <laughs> okay, but here's my legitimate question. Venom would not exist without Blade. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think you're exactly right. But Venom is fucking yeah, great. Yeah, Venom also, yeah, is, I, I, I think these are very different movies, but also the something about the tone and the CG feels very much like a part, like of a part. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, so, it's, it's amazing. So Venom is number 179. So does Blade go above or below Venom? I feel like it goes above Venom, at least because... It also you get a stinger scene that is not explained or in any way dealt with until <laughs> Blade or revisited even <laughs> apropos of nothing. It's like all right, so we beat Deacon Frost and everything's fine. Cut to Moscow, Russia, and it's snowing and there's two random strangers in the last minute of this movie, and one of them's like, "Ha ha ha, I'm a vampire," and he's like gonna bite her, and then Russia. And then, like, Blade is across the way, looking away from what's happening, like a cool guy. And he's like, hey, I'm Blade. And the guy's like, ah, I'm a Russian vampire. And then Blade attacks him. And that's how the movie ends. It's just like, also, Blade goes to Russia, I guess. Um, And then also in Blade 2, they bring it up briefly where he's like, I had to go all the way to Russia to find you, Whistler, who is alive. It's the greatest. So I feel like it's better than Venom, purely for that stinger. Now... Castlevania season one is number 176. Okay. What do you think? Well, Castlevania was written by Warren Ellis, speaking of comic book bullshit. Yeah, it was. Which which do you think is, uh, would you give the advantage to? Um, I'll tell you, there's only one of these that I've watched all the way through. <laughs> is it the movie Blade? It's the movie it Blade. It is the movie Blade. Now, alright, so here we go. I also think this movie is better than the faculty at 157 because the faculty is such a great illustration of a movie being so much less than the sum of its parts and this movie perfectly uses everybody in it they use every part of the fucking buffalo man it's it's a a, a wonderful thing to behold now here's here's where i top out i think i don't think blade is better than the fly at number 146 oh i think you're absolutely correct um and I'm wondering if Blade is better than Hellraiser 3. Uh, all right, so what we're really uh, trying to figure out here is which is better, the techno song from the rave scene of Blade or Motorhead's tie-in song for Hellraiser? <laughs> Both of them are the same like <laughs> era of just over-the-top bullshit Garb- and i love them yes. both dearly yes. complete garbage that i will never stop rolling around in like fucking scrooge mcduck um i feel like blade is better than hellraiser 3 because of being like the first of many marvel movies and for being a movie with a black lead in in the 90s that was given actual like studio push and had a huge like it kicked off uh the spider-man series happening which then kicked off anything that we've seen since then from marvel um so i feel which it's almost feels like we should penalize it for that yeah but, yeah a little uh, bit because we're fucking drowning in marvel movies but yeah so i feel really good about putting it uh, above ryan prowse's low life which is very good and about a luchador and below the fly at number 146 yes now let's talk about blade 2 Hachimachi. Uh, it's a guillermo del toro movie which I did not know until you... I saw the opening credits. <laughs> yeah, but it's also like once you watch it, and even if you don't know, like you kind of know. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Well, so basically, like you give Del Toro uh, the Blade movie and say, "Have fun with it," and he's like, "You know what? Let's make the vampires." horrific monsters with like mandibles that sp- that spread out with a weird um tongue thing yeah it's great they've got all so the vampires in this um and, and like there, there there are two kinds of vampires in this right like there's uh the sort of um hot vampires that can just look like people with little fangs and then there are these Wishmaster meets nosferatu ass body horror vampires which yeah it, you can see the DNA of what would eventually become the strain for Guillermo del Toro because he oh pre- for sure he executive produced that shit. 
Um, also, the strain is very bad. Um, but there's body horror vampires where it's like, not only do they have like these predator-looking pedipalps that just like open up, like it splits down the middle of the chin, and then it just their mouth opens horizontally, and they just go. And then on the inside, there's like a, a little like proboscis that just sort of like it's got like little barbs on it. Yeah, it's like a slug with a, a leech mouth. They are meaty boys, and it's which I guess a slug with a leech mouth is just a leech. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> I think that's yeah. I think I think we learned that in Puppet Master actually with the, with the the leech lady. Um, and so uh, yeah, so we we start out and he he rescues Whistler. Okay, uh, sure. And this uh, so this movie rules. Uh, it's got the the fucking stank of 2002 just slathered all over it yeah it's very good and the great thing about it is um it also has ron perlman as well as every other character actor you might imagine Mm -hmm. uh, just showing the fuck up yeah and also you've got um surprising so okay so uh he popped up and i yelled which is ron fucking perlman uh, as as one of the vampires. Now, what happens basically is that this uh, uh, strain of mean vampires that look like shit um, and kind of can't be killed through conventional means and can only be killed with sunlight. Uh, they're wanting to take over, and so the, uh, the 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 sort of polite vampires, I guess, um, are like, "Hey, we need to stop this shit." And Blade is like, "Yeah, okay." And then and then they're like, "All right, so we're a team of vampires, and you've sworn to kill all vampires. But hey, what if we work?" together and then kill vampires and blade is like okay so you get ron perlman and this is around the same period as alien resurrection in which ron perlman is also it's something about i kept thinking about alien resurrection because of the sort of uh tight close-ups and the weird camera work that guillermo del toro is doing uh and ron perlman is playing ron perlman and he's fucking great but a vampire. You also have Donnie Yen as a vampire. Yeah, you do. You also have the guy, uh, th- there's a vampire called Priest, who is played by the same guy that played Vincent Van Gogh in uh, Doctor Who. So that happens. Uh, and then also, uh, his uh, Blade's main liaison with the uh, the nice vampires um, is uh, played by Danny Don Jules, who played the cat from Red Dwarf. It's a lot happening. And then also fucking Norman Reedus is there as Scud. Uh, a, it's like if Bart Simpson was a tinkerer, where he's like, a pretty in-your-face dude, and he uh, helps build things. And then eventually, as the movie wears on, you realize that, like, oh, no, everyone's betraying Blade. And uh, Scud turns out to have been working for the mean vampires. Now, all right, here's here's the thing that I noticed, and I can't stop thinking about this movie, or really these movies. Uh, people, vampires specifically in this movie, love fur trim, and I don't understand how. They are covered in blood all the time, and that shit is not easy to clean. Yeah, it really is poor planning on their part. Yeah, I feel like, get a wetsuit, get some vinyl, like, cat suits. There's, listen, the Underwoods, Underwoods, excuse me, the Underworld series, bad at many things, but I feel like they worked that one out. Yeah, and what's wild is Guillermo del Toro clearly has a catsuit sword boy boner. As well he because should. Because this features a catsuit battle, uh, and, you know, Hellboy has a catsuit sword boy in it as well. And it's like, it's very clearly a thing that he's into. I, just I mean, heard... all of Pacific Rim is catsuit sword boys. Catsuit Sword Boy, just for some reason in my head, I heard that to the tune of Jukebox Hero by Fortnite. <laughs> Catsuit Sword Boys. Um, but so the most important part of this movie is the club scene. There should always be a club scene. Honestly, if your vampire movie doesn't have a club scene, go back to fucking square one. But like, aliens are going to dig out this 2002-ass movie and look <laughs> at this club scene and think, that's how Americans behave. Yeah, I mean, this was, you know, Des Moines on a Thursday night. You're going to the rave. And there is this guy who's in a red t-shirt and, and blonde frosted tips, and he follows the camera and uh, Wesley Snipes around the set 
for that entire scene. Yeah. Like, if you look at every major establishing shot, he's dancing in it. Yeah, Del Toro. And I need to know, is he Del Toro's friend? Did he just show up in a cattle call and he's like, you're my muse, you, you have the look, stand front and center. Is he, like, sneaky? Is it kind of a, um, is it a Richard Stanley in... <laughs> Dr. Moreau situation, this was a guy that was supposed to be on the scene and then he wasn't, so he snuck in to get in all the shots. Like, who is this dude and why does he matter well, so Well, I'll tell you who me. he is. That that young man would eventually go on to be Michael Shannon, the antagonist from The Shape of Water. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I don't, yeah, he just, I think, you know, Del Toro saw that those beautiful frosted tips and those jinkos and just went i need him in key shots of every scene in this scene uh honestly i kind of just want to start like photoshopping him into iconic movie scenes <laughs> where you know like frankly my dear i don't give a damn and then you've just got this guy fucking raving in the background just going for it um you know what sucks is the the cast list for this movie there's no way of even finding it out because everyone is listed as vampire with exposed spine, drug dealer, reaper, golem, jigsaw, <laughs> rush, lighthammer, verlaine, snowman. Like, no! <laughs> Chode. There is a man Ch named Chode? in the script named Chode. There's a man in the script named Teabag. <laughs> Teabag, was the Teabag was the dancing boy with the frosted tips. Old Bandaged bag. Reaper, uncredited. Moscow Vampire, Attacking Blade, uncredited. Moscow Vampire. Um, <laughs> it's it's so much happening, and I love also that for 2002, it's got like it's a techno thriller kind of, but mostly it's yeah. like it's the the hardest part of being a vampire is a all of the raves you have to go to. You, your schedule is lousy with raves, and then also all of the techno that you have to constantly listen to. Okay, so is Blade 2, by virtue of being directed by a better director, <laughs> better than Blade 1? No, no, it's not, because uh, Blade, Blade 1, I think, is more cohesive, because it's like David S. Goyer writing, directing, and producing it. Um, like, Guillermo del Toro is great, and I love that you can see the seeds of his del Toro-ness in this movie, absolutely. Um, but I'm, I'm giving the edge only slightly to Blade 1 because of the scene in which the cops are shooting at Wesley Snipes, and then he just turns around, looks at them incredulously, and says, Motherfucker, are you out of your damn mind? And then they just run away. <laughs> it's, I think, the finest scene in any movie. I cannot in good conscience put Blade 2 lower than immediately under Blade 1, then. You know what? I feel really good about putting Blade just Blade Two just under Blade at number one forty eight. Now here's what we got to figure out: Blade Trinity. Holy shit! All right, let's <laughs> let's go through some highlights of Blade Trinity. Um, movie starts with a bunch of vampires in like Navy SEAL outfits walking through the desert. One of them flips off the sun, which is just a power move. Because they're vampires. Yeah, fuck you, sun. Also, I've been mulling over the opening narration. It all started with Blade, and it all ended with Blade. Yeah, what the? And it's Ryan Reynolds saying this, uh, and so Ryan what Reynolds. What does that mean, Ryan Reynolds? Jesus Christ! So let's go through um, some names in this movie. Uh, there's obviously Hannibal King, as played by Ryan Reynolds. Which, by the way, side note here: No, the fuck, your name is not Hannibal King. Your name is yeah, like fuck off. Your name is like Jerry Roberts or something, and you're like. That's what you do one day when you go over to your fucking vampire hunting friends and you're like, um, excuse me, can everybody start calling me Hannibal King? Like, shut the fuck up, Jerry. Uh, and he, but also he's like, honestly, Ryan Reynolds, I, I like Ryan Reynolds. Like, he, yeah. he cannot save this script and that's fine. Um, it really is two guys, a girl, and a vampire shop, though. <laughs> Yes. Um, and I'll, you know what it also has, though? Is... Hey, listen, if anyone out there handles PR for mm -hmm. Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Shop, please send us <laughs> those DVDs. Yeah, let's, please. We will, we, will, we will review them for our horror podcast. Um, what this movie also has is uh, Wrestler Triple H, 
as yes, as yes, wrestler Triple H absolutely. with chrome vampire fangs. He, mother, okay, okay, motherfucker has chrome vampire fangs. You get to see I, how excited, by the way, because he's in the the opening bit of this movie, uh, and a bunch of shit happens, and you get Triple H the vampire, whose name, by the way, is I, I shit you not, Jarko Grimwood. Which also that's going to be my fake name that I use on everything I sign up for the re- sign up for for the rest of my life. Um, you get him at the, <laughs> at the top, <laughs> Jarko Grimwood, and you get him at the top of this, just yelling, "What the fuck, motherfucker!" Like, how excited do you think he was? Like, yeah, they're they're gonna let me say fuck in this movie. Um, and he has chrome fangs, and he uh, has a gun, and he's just swole as hell, and he's a vampire, because why not? He is so jacked in this movie. Like, it's hard to think about, now that Triple H is a leathery, uh, muscle monster, Uh it's hard to think of him not veiny and wizened. Yeah, yeah, because now he just sort of looks like an old dog, but guys, this is Triple H circa 2002, um, this is during the period in which he could not fully put his arms down to his side because of his fucking roido muscles. He looked like the kid from Christmas Story, but with <laughs> me around this period, and is also named Jarko Grimwood, the vampire. So here's what I'm trying to figure out. This movie came out in 2004. I uh-huh. do not remember it. And that was like prime um, getting ready to, well, you know, senior year of, of high school course how did i not know this movie was out i mean that well because it's 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 ridiculous uh you've also got fucking pat all right so you've got uh my my wife parker posey um oh she's is, so good in this movie just oh chewing the my God. shit out of the scenery and knowing this is not a good movie oh it's great like parker posey she honestly uh it's it's a breath of spring everything she's in like if you you know she was in scream 3 which is a bad movie but also the high spot of that movie was parker posey um and yeah she knows what movie she's in on blade trinity uh it's she knows you know it's it's she gives this the same performance as she would do in like waiting for guffman where it's just she's she's perfect and also has fangs and contacts so if you want to picture Parker Posey in Contacts and Fangs, it's exactly as great as you're thinking it might be. Uh, you also have uh, motherfucking a tiny Patton Oswalt as part of the Night Stalkers. He is yeah, not a vampire. Yeah, he makes all of the... Basically, this movie is how many different ways can we kill vampires using technology, including a weird... Uh, laser made out of sunlight <laughs> and how yeah. many different bow and arrow heads can we have? I guess there must have been a fucking essence of garlic shortage around 2004 where like maybe the cops really cracked down on it you know it's Bush's America. There's so literally a line where Ryan Reynolds says we've dumped colloidal silver into the ducks so now it's in your lungs and like the vampires are like I can't breathe <laughs> <laughs> I missed that part, but that's the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. We just dumped a shitload of colloidal silver into the water supply. But wait a minute. Vampires aren't drinking water. They're dead. Why the yeah, fuck? Yeah, well, it's in the air conditioning, which also vampires don't need air conditioning. They don't so fucking, they don't fucking Short-sighted. Breathe. So, you know the best thing about sequels is how they're like, well, we gotta top the, the last one. Yeah. So... Blade 2 was, like, not a regular vampire, fucked up vampire with crazy mouth. This one was, yeah. like, not fucked up vampire with crazy mouth, dog with vampire mouth. You get to see Triple H, which, by the way, um, I, I felt like I was having a stroke. You get to see Triple H, who is a vampire, holding a vampire Pomeranian. and With a crazy three-pronged vampire mouth yeah with yeah with a, with a horrible fucking predator mouth um when i hope that once um we have returned to the loam and there's nothing left of our civilization that's this movie is all the alien archaeologists find is blade trinity and it's like well i guess triple h has a fucking vampire pomeranian um and so also ryan reynolds um there's a shot in this it was an uncomfortable moment where everybody in my house, we all realized at the same moment, or I guess I realized at that moment that all three of us would absolutely fuck Ryan Reynolds. Because he, like, <laughs> he pulls up his shirt and like there's like a cheeky flash of Ryan Reynolds pube, and everybody at once went, mmm. And it's like, oh, great. Now th- that's all right. Um, and Ryan Reynolds in this movie is good, but he's also... 
just shitting out a joke book, man. He this oh, is it's so fucking and it's such misogynist, terrible jokes, and it's so clear that um, David S. Goyer wrote this fucking screenplay. <laughs> yeah. He was, I, I just imagine that he was working through some shit, like maybe he'd just gotten out of a messy divorce or something. He was like, clearly he was having a moment. Um, so this movie is not good, but it is so shit the bed crazy that it does a thing that I wish more movies would do, which is like, okay, so we've already, so you've already seen Blade, which is a perfect movie. And you've seen Blade 2, which sort of extends the mythology of the thing and gives you something more to, 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 to bite into. Eh. Uh, Blade Trinity just completely fucks the couch and loses its mind, which is something I wish the Saw series had done. Like, I, I feel like around Saw 3, we should have had, like, wild murder traps and not... It shouldn't, like, it, it should have evolved a sense of whimsy at a certain point, and it never did. And I like that Blade Trinity was like, what if literal Dracula showed up? Literal Dracula, who also looks like the fucked up three mouth monster from the first movie. Yeah, it's honest to god Dracula, which I love. I, I it's sort of like uh, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, how in season uh, season five, yeah, season five, where honest to god Dracula shows up and she's like, "Get the fuck out!" No, um, and yeah, so his his name is Drake. Which you then realize is, he's actually he's actually a Dracula. Um, excuse me, not a Dracula. He is Dracula, and so he dies, and you kind of get Blade going into like a healing coma, and he pops out months later, and he's fine. Yeah. Oh, also, he he's set up in this one, where, so the FBI is out to get him. But you also realize the FBI are run by vampires. Mm-hmm. Which, so, sure. There you go. Also, I guess it's, it is it is because this was really before the Marvel Cinematic Universe was a thing that was viewed as viable. Mm-hmm. Because it totally should have been S.H.I.E.L.D. handling that and Nick Fury not, um, not the FBI. Yeah, which J. Edgar Hoover, I think he is canonically a vampire, actually. So that, yeah. that checks out. Uh, and it's... I think that this movie does a thing that I don't appreciate so much, which is that it tries to science up the vampires. Yeah. I don't... Get get the fuck out of here. I don't need... Listen, if I'm watching a movie called Blade Trinity, I promise you, I'm not watching it and going, well, yeah, but vampires could never actually exist. Like, I am... Listen, I'm down to clown. It's Wesley Snipes with a sword... Delivering one-liners with sunglasses on, and there's vampires. Triple H has chrome fangs. I am not waiting on verisimilitude from this fucking movie. So, I think this needs to go a lot lower than Blade 1 and Blade 2. Substantially lower, yeah. Although, goddammit, I do want to give it points for being so fucking weird. And choices are made in this movie. Okay, is Blade Trinity better than Venom? Ooh, no. No, it's not better than Venom. No. Is it better than I Know What You Did Last Summer? Speaking of other early 2000s trash. Oh, man. I do think it's better than I Know What You Did Last Summer, and I'll tell you why. Two words. Parker Posey. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say that it is then just a hair below Venom in terms of, like, shit-the-bed, insane Marvel movies. <laughs> yeah, for just like, listen, we had carte blanche to, to, to do whatever we want, and this is the thing that we made. It was so, very yeah, so... clear that they're like, listen, we're about to lose this license, <laughs> so we're just going to do what we can. So speaking of the Bush years, this is like when the Bush administration was piecing out, and they like shit on the desk, or like, excuse me, when the Clinton administration was piecing out, and they allegedly, like a bunch of the office, office workers, like, shit on the desks and removed all the W keys from the keyboards where it's like, all right, you know what? We're about to lose this thing. So we're just going to light it on fire on the way out. (laughs) So fuck it. So yeah. So uh, coming in at our new number 182 above Dark City and below Venom from 2018 is Blade Trinity. Oh, Golly Willikers. Ryan, Man. where can our listeners find us online? I feel really good. I feel like we really did something here today. Um, our listeners can find us on the internet at uh, Rank and Vile Cast 
uh, on Twitter, which is where we uh, do a lot of shit, a whole lot of shit posting. Uh, they can find us on Tumblr at Just Rank and Vile and on Instagram at Just Rank and Vile. Uh, we are on Stitcher. We are on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on Last FM. Uh, we are in a plethora of places. Um, However you listen, if you could just give us the little, like, star or thumbs up or review or whatever you can, or if you just want to tell someone um, about this podcast, it really helps us get uh, in front of new listeners. We yeah, appreciate it. It, help, it helps enormously. So obviously on this episode, we were not able to get around a lot of listener requests because we were just up to our eyeballs in uh, Snipes Giving. Oh, I have a wonderful news. What's that? There's a Blade anime, and there is a Blade WB television series. Get out. Wait, animated or live action? Live action. That, holy shit. Well, that's the highlight of my week. I'm going to watch all of it. (laughs) It's on CWC. Oh, man. That's honestly, I love that the CWC is just like the walking corpse of the WB network. Um, yeah, it's like, hey, we still have the rights to this. So, uh, <laughs> Fuck it. If you want it, it's here. We're going to ride this gravy train. Um, it, we weren't able to get to a lot of requests on this episode because we were just uh, paying uh, our, our proper respects to the Blade franchise for being the greatest thing in the world. Uh, but if there is a movie that you want us to watch, like let's say that you're out there going, but wait a minute, uh, nowhere on their list of 381 movies that they have read. My God, it is snuck up on me. <laughs> From best to worst, it's Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Uh, if you're thinking to yourself, but wait a minute, where's Ghoulies 2? Um, you are going to want to send that request to either uh, rankandvilecast at gmail.com, where we will get it and then uh, add it to our list of uh, movies that we are going to talk about on the show. Or you're going to want to put it in our uh, ask box on Tumblr at just rankandvile. Um, but barring that, I think that's all I got. You got anything else? That's it. Stay spooky, y'all. Later, folks.